Welcome to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. The world is changing faster than ever, and the world of education is too. Advances in psychology, biology, and a whole range of other fields have opened up new lines of thought about the purpose of school and how it can best serve a new generation of students. Join me on the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast every week to explore these new ideas. In last week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to three of our most experienced Braemar students about their experience of the stages of cultural adaptation. Welcome to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. My name is Mike Helsby, and I am very happy to be joined today by a good friend and somebody who's been involved with uh, Braemar athletics and fitness for a good couple of years now, Mr. Garson Carroll. Garson, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with us today, man. What a pleasure. Uh, please take some time, tell the people who you are, uh, where you're from, and how you got here today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, uh, and good to see everybody here at Braemar. I love it here. Um, who am I? Where am I from? I'm from Peterborough, so I'm, uh, I'm an Ontario boy and, uh, I came from rural Canada and moved to Toronto, you know, with hopes and dreams of being in the, in the big pond, swim with the big fish. And I guess more specifically, uh, I grew up as a pretty sporty kid. I played lots of soccer, competitive soccer, uh, I kickboxed at a young age and my parents were always very encouraging with that. I was pushed into these or I was helped to, to follow these urges. And then, uh, coming to Toronto, um, as a young adult, I was a bit of a gym rat. Um, it was uh, just a big part of my lifestyle and sort of, uh, I almost want to say, uh, you know, finding my place here in Toronto, um, you know, as the years went on growing up in Toronto, I got interested in Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, when I was at the Muay Thai gym that a good friend of mine, the manager of the gym, suggested that I become a personal trainer. And that was where this journey really launched off. Awesome. And uh, that's, in fact, where I met you. Um, mm -hmm. My youngest sister uh, kind of set a challenge for us, one of those classic New Year's challenges that everybody makes and everybody breaks. Uh, but we had each other to hold each other accountable. And we ended up going to 10 consecutive weeks of uh, WTFU. I won't tell you what it stands for, but basically a very early morning boot camp led by uh, Garson Carroll. And it was, it was at a Muay Thai gym. It had some Muay Thai applications, but it was really just uh, a place to come to receive a lot of positive energy, some guidance, some safety in terms of movements, and and some real encouragement to get yourself into a new place of fitness. And that is kind of, I think, the way that most people think about an ideal gym experience or an ideal gym scenario. We use fitness as an idea, um, the idea of the gym, the workout uh, setting, as a place of transition whereby we can become something else. You're a, you're a Peterborough kid. Uh, I know what that's all about. I, grandparents had a cottage just outside Peterborough and, you know, beautiful North Ontario area, but Toronto is a very different place, right? Absolutely. And, and you were coming here, as you say, looking forward to being the big fish in the, in, in the big pond, but we need spaces and people to help us make those transitions. And for a lot of us, myself included, that place is, is the gym that that being is being the gym rat. Yeah. And that's, that's where I found my social self. That's where I found my, my confidence, my self-esteem, uh, an applicable and relatable skill set. And so I think it's no, it's no mistake that you and I have found a connection between one another because I think we get the same thing from this 
this fitness world. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that was uh, obvious right from the start when your sister and, and you came into Muay Thai. Uh, there was a connection immediately among people who, like us, are getting the same thing. And um, it is, as much as it's feeding us physically and, and mentally, it definitely is like a, a, an awesome meeting place for people of, of like minds. And I think that really is going to, that kind of leads a bit into like what the meat of what we want to talk about today, how these progressive movement uh, systems or cultures um, are inclusive of that, that facet. And it's really important. That's right. Yeah, you said it. Um, that's where we're headed today. If you want to switch chairs, we can. <laughs> sorry, can sorry about that. No, that's great. <laughs> I love it when the guests lead the uh, the podcast where where it was intended to go. Um, as I say, I, I'm I'm there in the gym with you in, in a basement gym in the middle of Toronto winter mm. at six thirty in the morning, feeling positive and confident and welcomed and a sense of belonging and just fun. Um, I remember coming out of those those sessions. You know, being having the time to grab a coffee and sit and just kind of be with myself before heading into work. And those mornings were the best mornings of that winter for me. You know, coming out at 730, knowing that the hardest part of my day is over, mm-hmm. it was really cool. And I'm, I'm really, really lucky to be in a position in my work where I can then walk to work and say to myself, how do I give this feeling to the students? And it wasn't the most creative idea because <laughs> I didn't make a big mental leap. I just said... Well, Gar- Garson helped me feel this way. I'll, I'll bet you he can help the students feel this way. And so we brought you in, I think. Were you here even before COVID? It's been a Gosh, while. It's been a while. Um, it it might have been. Yeah. It was right around the same time. I want to say we brought you in for the first time in 2019. And we've had a year kind of on and off for various terms, especially in the colder months when the students can't really be getting outside to the parks and the fields and kind of playing sports on the basketball courts on their own. We really, really wanted to emphasize that there's still a space available to you where you can get um, safe, fun, sociable exercise. And you came in and, and provided that. Can you just kind of walk us through your approach as a personal trainer and especially what you're what you're trying to do in the hour that you have with the young people when you work with them. Mm. Um, I think what's really important is creating moments during the class where people are having just the pure joy of movement and they sort of fall into that flow state where they just love moving. And so when I'm building a class, uh, I want there to be a diversity of, you know, things going on. Uh, I should say, I don't want to say exercises, but let's just say exercises. There's a lot of different styles of movement. And um, I want to provide diversity in that hour so that I can try and so that everyone in the class can try and have that moment of flow state. Mm -hmm. On top of that, um, I want to make sure that it's safe and exposing people to maybe moving their bodies in ways they haven't before. And what I mean about that is sometimes 
maybe just a really thorough warm up that gets people twisting and loose. And before the workout, they're like, oh my gosh, like even just that mobility section has, has me feeling um, jazzed and, and ready to start the day. Uh, so just exposing people to a multitude of movements, which has their body feeling uplifted and hopefully even tapping into a moment of flow state mm -hmm. sometime during the, mo during the workout where they are just engrossed in the movement and with joy. Yeah. You mentioned flow state there, I think two or three times. Um, I've done a little bit of reading. I don't know if you're familiar with Mahali uh, Mihai, the, the fellow who kind of uh, innovated the idea of flow states and he's been studying them for, for a good couple decades now. Um, can you just uh, explain broadly what you mean by flow and how it's achieved specifically in, in a fitness setting, but maybe also how that might relate to flow states we, we have in other parts of our lives? Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, it's a little, it's a tricky, uh, I, I'm going to do my best to put it into words, but I feel like it's almost flow state is um, a very pure state of focus. We are totally connected to an act that we're doing and it fills us in such a way that we can almost, um, we're performing above our, our regular capacity maybe mm -hmm. because we've tapped into this, uh, I'm going to use the word loosely, but Zen sort of, um, mind state that we can, we can switch to an exercise or like you're saying in other facets of life, we could switch to listening. I could become a very good listener by trying to find myself in a flow state where I'm just focusing on the person I'm talking to. And really, instead of thinking about what responses are popping into my head as someone's talking to me, just deeply listening to them and trying my best to focus on that. So cultivating that flow state in a class, uh, I think is really powerful because it has this Zen quality to it where people are disconnected from the outside world. Uh, and usually it's a very joyful place to be because it's relaxed and mm -hmm. um, where it's almost like an expression of love for what we're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. That last point that it is an expression of love, not just for the self, but that for the self as part of all things around it, right? The, the moment of flow is a moment where external forces of all kinds, our memories, our fears, uh, our desires, um, our insecurities are, are not present in, in the experience, right? We are authentically ourself in that moment. You mentioned listening. Um, I find the best parts of these, these podcasts are the, the brief moments where maybe the guest or maybe myself, I think could be said to enter a state of flow where I stop thinking about the fact that there's, you know, work to be done this afternoon or wondering what our, our sound engineering grid's thinking of this, this thing or mm -hmm. wondering what the weather's like, right? That, that's all present for us all the time. But when we are completely engaged, and I think there's, there's a lot that goes into that, like feeling safe and having some capacity with what you're doing, right? Being, being appropriately challenged, not over, not under challenged. We can find ourselves completely in the moment. And as you said, joy and love is, is what's a part of that. Now, I think if we express that to anyone, any parent, any educator out there, they'd say, yes, that's a wonderful goal mm -hmm. to, to have for students, make them feel joy and love while doing fitness. Come on, that's a win. <laughs> Right. But um, 
I don't know what your physical education was like when you were in school. Mine didn't involve a lot of talk about flow and joy and, you know, <laughs> authenticity and love. It involved a lot of talk about no pain, no gain, right? Go for the win, go for the jugular. <laughs> it was a lot of sports. It was a lot of competitive sports. There was n never a mention of the idea that you brought in uh, almost immediately when I asked about flow, which is introducing unusual movements to the body, new movements to the body. Uh, I, I was almost brought up believing that there's only a certain number of ways that the body is supposed to move and anything else is alternative and voodoo and, and, and weird, all of which is to say I was raised as, as a pretty traditional Western athlete. That's not at all what I get from the classes I've taken with you. That's not at all what I see when you're training our students. And if I had it my way, that's not at all what we would ever see again in a physical education setting. How does the type of fitness that you practice, and you are, for those of you who aren't watching on camera or maybe you haven't seen this gentleman on Instagram, you're an incredibly fit gentleman, if, if you don't mind me saying so. Thank you. Um, from, from, from the outside, you could have very easily spent the last 20 years pumping iron, right? Right, lifting big, heavy things and putting them down again. But you haven't. You've gotten this level of fitness, this elite level of fitness from what I'm going to term progressive modalities, progressive exercises, not at all in the Western canon or the Western tradition of athletics. How did you come to things like Muay Thai, yoga, animal flow especially, which I know is, is your big focus right now? Um, and what what's the dynamic been like between your identity as, let's call you a progressive athlete, and the more traditional notions of the jock, the the winner, the competitor, the warrior, etc. Yeah. Wow, awesome anyway, question. Big, big question, sorry. About um, that. Love it, I really do. And I think it's important. Um, where do I wanna start? So, you were saying like, how did I sort of, I could have spent so much time being a weightlifter and what sort of prompted me to move towards other modalities? F friends, mm. actually. Um, Muay Thai happened, you know, I was just kind of crushing bench press presses and pull-ups and stuff like that. And I thought, this is the way, this is the, this is the story. It's one day down this cobble, you know, just one step at a time down this path over and over again till I'm huge, hopefully. Uh, but thankfully, uh, that changed, and it was thanks to friends. Um, a good friend of mine, lifelong pal, came up to me. He was like, me and my buddy are going to go do some Muay Thai. I'd, I'm not even sure I'd heard of that before. Maybe I had. Maybe it fell into my ears through the mixed martial arts world. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm just, a, like we said, just a bit of an ambitious gym rat. So I was like, I am all over this. I mean, I love to work out with friends. As we said, there's a real social connection that happens when we get in the gym together. And so, yeah, I hopped on that right away. We started doing Muay Thai. And that was really the first foray into martial arts in my, my young adult life, which was sort of leading into this sort of, it's a progressive modality, if you will. Um, it's not really squats, deadlifts, that kind of stuff, those kind of running, jogging, mm -hmm. get a touchdown, score a goal kind of ideas. And so that was a great launching pad for me uh, into a new athletic zone. And that's where I met you, of course, which leads into what happened next, which after practicing Muay Thai 
and a good friend was urging me to become a personal trainer, that's when I met you. And you and another, the same good friend of mine, uh, due to the karmic factors of the universe, <laughs> um, mentioned flow. And a good, my good buddy who who prompted me to join Muay Thai said, "Dude, I found this uh, this thing called Animal Flow. I think I'd like to try it out. I think this is going to be like my new workout. I'm really stoked on it. It's super cool. He's a lifelong dancer." Um, so if you have any idea what animal flow is and yeah. you know someone's a dancer, there's a, there's a real correlation why someone would be attracted. It's definitely got this dance element to it. But um, not to make a short story longer, he planted the seed. And then it wasn't much longer that you came by. We, were, we had been already doing Muay Thai fitness sessions here at Braemar. They were going wonderfully. But as you mentioned earlier, it was getting cold. Mm -hmm. We were moving inside. You're like... Yeah, we're thinking we're going to move things inside. We're looking for more of maybe a flow-based workout. And flow entered again. I was like, okay, this is a sign. Two people in my life just mentioned flow in like, I don't know, it was it felt like days. So I went online and I signed up for the level one workshop. And that was when I really started to enter into or deeper into this world of progressive modalities. I'd already taken some yoga classes, definitely into the yin and yang balance of Muay Thai and yoga, seeing that this slow sort of stretching and beautiful yoga practice was very complementary to the more hard hitting practice mm -hmm. of Muay Thai. And they were a good complement. So I had already been attracted to yoga and I was like, this is just a couple degrees in another direction. Yeah. Um, and then I got into animal flow and it's just been an amazing uh, blossoming of inspiration as I kind of climb deeper into this progressive modality, starting to see the benefits of it more and more. Yeah. I want to dig pretty far into animal flow. Um, and I know that's the, the major focus in your life right now. And that's what you train personally. And that's what, what you train others in. We've done it here at Braemar for a couple terms. We've had really, really positive results. I wanted to share with you before I forgot, I don't know if you remember a young student named Amir who joined us uh, for some of our sessions last year. I remember Amir. You remember Amir? Uh, following your sessions, he got into jujitsu. He started going to a jujitsu um, school with uh, actually one of the teachers here. Uh, he just completed his first uh, tournament this past weekend and he won his first, I don't know if they call it a fight or a match, he won his first match as a, a blue belt now in jujitsu and uh, he thanks you and, and I think you're primarily to thank for launching him on that journey. He's put on like 20 pounds of muscle, he's got this whole crazy like new self-confidence and, and it started with animal flow. In, in 406 with you. So, uh, this vicariously, let me, mm. let me thank you for him because his life is different now because of that. I am 10 degrees warmer having heard that compliment. That's very, very, I'm so excited for him. He was so motivated coming into class and always diligent about, you know, he's just disciplined, came in, did class, loved it, made conversation, you know, the socializing aspect, mm -hmm. creating camaraderie. So it's no surprise to me that he went into jujitsu and, has been really successful. That's amazing. Yeah. I hope I see him again soon and can high five see if him. We can catch him in the hallway here on our on our way out. Um, but it's it's been a lesson for me as well watching students like that. Not just him, others who've participated in in your um, training sessions. They don't just get 
a workout. They don't just get a little bit of muscle and, and some, some respiratory health, maybe some, some better balance and flexibility. Something happens to them emotionally. Something happens in their character. They become not just more self-confident, but it's, it's not a toxic confidence. Like you said with Amir, they become more empathetic. They become more willing to reach out. They want others who are in the position they were in last week, last month, last year to have a hand to help them out of that first week. And they, and they provide it. They become like the, the, the pillars of the, of the community, the, the pillar, pillars of our school. They become our student council members, mm-hmm. right? And I can name five or six different cases where that's happened in the last couple of years. I don't remember that happening necessarily with my football team in high school. Right. And as I think about what we do in animal flow, and I am going to get you to explain in in more detail what animal flow is. But when I think about the yoga classes I've taken, the Muay Thai training we've done together, the animal flow classes you've run for our students, I can't think of anything more oppositional, more exactly its opposite in the world of fitness than the five or six, six seconds that any one American football play takes. Right. Flow has no beginning and end. Right? It's not compartmentalizable, right? You, you, it's, it, as you said, it's a dance. So, of course, you can learn certain moves, but the point of the move is to flow into another move, right? And then when you get the, the physical movements, you're, you're talking about pairing your breathing with that, that physical movement. And then once you've paired the breathing, you're talking about kind of bringing your whole attention just to breath and body and, and eliminating any distraction. As opposed to a, a football game where, if I recall correctly, I smash my head against the guy in front of me for three seconds guy behind me runs three yards gets smashed in the face hits the ground and then we go back and start it all over again right it's it's the most highly compartmentalized thing you can do it's about explosive muscle it's it's not about beauty or or mm-hmm. holistic health right it's it's about the opposite and you're you're actually doing something that would is very likely to get you injured so that was the the athleticism of my past and that was kind of what we all aspired to when we were 14 right I didn't think I was going to go to the NFL, but I thought I was going to catch a few touchdowns, you know, maybe be the hero once in a while. Um, totally different feelings that you get from these progressive modalities. Can you talk about exactly what is animal flow? And then, if possible, connect it with the, the, what we mean by holistic health, what we're trying to give ourselves and give anyone else who, who might want to participate in, in these exercises. Cool. Animal flow is body weight ground-based primal movement uh, to try and put it in as few words as possible. Um, but to elaborate on that, it's in a more in a more colorful description, I might say it's yoga plus dance plus gymnastics. Cool is another way to say it. Um, and, Technically speaking, we could break it up into some components. It's got wrist mobilizations because we spend a lot of time on the ground. It's a ground-based body weight primal movement. So we really need to warm up our wrists with these uh, mobilizations. We need, or we also have form-specific stretches. These are moves that are active stretches. We go into end range positions and we're activating in those end range positions like a bridge. Bridging as high as our hips can comfortably go, holding the glutes in that squeeze as we're at the top of our bridge. And so we're generating uh, strength. We're cultivating this isometric strength at the the top of the bridge. 
and we're stretching. So we have these form specific stretches that help us be stronger flowists. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we have traveling forms. These are locomotive movements that benefit our human animal by copying the animals of nature. Uh, so we have, I think it goes up to F, ape. Oh my God, I'm going to butcher this right now. Um, anyway, we have ape, beast, bear, crocodile, crab, um, frog. I'm sure I'm missing things that I should be remembering right is now. Is there a scorpion in there? There is. Yeah. There's scorpions. So we have all these, these uh, locomotive movements that we use that help us develop our human animal. Uh, and they're based off nature. Then we have switches and transitions. These, this is what makes up the bulk of, of animal flow. We've got these stretches, we've got these locomotive movements, and then we've got switches and transitions. Um, and putting all these things together is what creates flow. Not to say that we need to put them together. One beautiful thing about animal flow is similar to maybe a yoga move. We're just like, I'm just gonna hit like one minute of warrior two to open up my hips. You can use any given, I won't say any given, but tons of these form specific stretches are useful or uh, things that we could implement in our workouts in the same way. So animal flow also functions um, like that uh, in what it is. Just to say one more thing about the components of animal flow, uh, I think what wraps it up nicely is we have flow. <clears throat> After we've, we've you know prepped our wrists, we understand the different switches and transitions and other moves that might be that we want to use, we can put them together. And uh, we can put them together in lots of different ways. One way is if I were teaching a, an animal flow class, we would do call out flow. I've already made up the flow. I know how it goes. I've taught you all the moves, but I need to call out the sequence of the moves to you so we can all follow along together. So that's a call out flow. We also do choreo flow where some of the transitions aren't specifically described in the call out. I need to tell you like, this next rotating move is going to rotate an extra 90 degrees or uh, there's something special about this flow that we learn together and we'll call that choreography. It's, it's specific to what we're going to do together. And the next thing would be free flow. Um, you know some moves and you're ready to move and you can put them together freely and that's just free flow. It's basically improv dance. Yeah. So that I think... All those elements culminating uh, and in their individual segments uh, is animal flow. There's quite a bit there that I, I want to touch on, but just to kind of summarize what I'm hearing. First of all, there's something really unique about animal flow in that it does not make a distinction between stretching and muscle building. Whereas in most traditional, at least in my own experience of Western fitness training, there is almost a section of time and a section of your workout dedicated to stretching, right? We don't call it mobility. We don't even really usually call it flexibility, but you're just trying to, and in a lot of cases, static stretch, right? Which doesn't make a lot of sense from a physiological standpoint anymore, but we did a lot of that. And then you go into muscle building time where you, as we know, you, you, you said it all bench press, dead, deadlift, squat, the classics, right? Mm-hmm. Just take the heaviest thing you can find, put it up over your head, put it back down on the ground in animal flow. Last year, when, when I was working with you, I was having some trouble with my shoulder. Um, and it was related to, I think, an infraspinatus uh, tear. So I was having trouble keeping my, my scap attached to, to the, the spine, right? It was, and my shoulder was 
doing this. If you can't see on video, my shoulder was slumping forward. It wasn't staying in its, in its pocket, right? And animal flow, I credit as having fixed that over the course of about six weeks without really me even intending. I was kind of trying to get through flow. I wasn't thinking of it as therapy or physiotherapy, but it certainly was. I got mobility back in my shoulder. I got proper mechanics in terms of using the muscles correctly to support what was pretty uh, a light resistance instead of the heaviest weight I could possibly find. And it was constantly in motion. So I was getting um, full ranges of motion with proper rest, proper mechanics, um, and light resistance, which over time corrected uh, the position of my shoulder and allowed my infraspinatus to heal. And that was without me even knowing that I was doing it. That wasn't paying $100 to get an instruction from a physiotherapist. That was just you, me, a couple of students in the flow, right? Dancing, doing call and response, um, figuring out how to turn a move into a momentum, into a, uh, an expression, almost. Yes. Um, to what extent do you regard th things like uh, animal flow or, or yoga as well? Um, as a form of not just exercise, but a, as therapy? It's, it come, I mean, I have a lot of regard for that. I think it is exactly what you said it was. It is therapy. And knowingly or unknowingly, it is healing us. And um, that's, yeah, one of the beautiful things about it. It kind of ties back into a little of what we were talking about before, just when we put together a workout, trying to encompass some movements that, uh, you know, maybe we don't do every day or uh, just a something that takes us through all the motion of the body and maybe not just lunges and squats and stuff like that. And because of that nature, it sneaks in there mm -hmm. and starts illuminating and or helping healing things that are imbalances, things that are going on. Um, chronic pain for sure and so it's it's extremely therapeutic yeah i've been trying my best to catch up on what is a really really exciting world of of new therapies not just physical but but emotional and mental and having just finished a, a book i'm Podcast listeners are going to get sick of me mentioning this this fellow, but Bezel Vanderkoek wrote a, a bestseller named "The Body Keeps the Score," and mind like like a game changer in terms of the way I think of what uh, emotional stress and in some cases trauma does to the whole self and especially does to the body. And the the thing that stood out to me most because it's a, it's in the final section of the book is the hopefulness with which this this fifty year um, clinician talks about things like dance, uh, choral singing, um, group activities, right? Things where you're doing something together in a coordinated way with a group, and you and and how that sort of allows someone to get outside of themselves a little bit to feel that sense of safety and belonging and, and positive united purpose with others. And it's, it's all these things that we've tended to cast as being a bit silly in Western culture, as something that's a, maybe a luxury or a hobby, but certainly nothing that's fundamental. Talk about a, a little bit about that feeling that you get when you're in a group training class or when you're all doing a, a call and, uh, you know, calling out the moves for an animal flow and everybody's moving together. What, what's that do to you psychologically? Huge and a huge release of happiness. I mean, it's very satisfying for me, obviously, as the 
the person who's come up with the flow and who's trying to um, introduce it to people. I'm trying to be like, here's a dance. You can do this. <laughs> I'm just going to give us, I'm just going to give us a couple cues and then we're going to dance. And so when we dance together, uh, it's extremely gratifying to kind of take that seed to see that seed sprout and, and grow a little germinate, a little leaf yeah. suddenly taken in some sun. Um, because to follow that analogy a little further, um, those are kind of the moments where as to kind of touch back with what we were talking about earlier in the session with what do you think about when you put it together? Uh, that's the moment where somebody might fall in love and have a bit of flow state when, when they have this moment of the leaf coming out. And I feel like I've sort of, uh, I've been able to introduce something amazing to the group. So that's part of what I get out from it. I, I love introducing these ideas to the group and seeing them land on people. I feel like uh, they're drinking the animal flow Kool-Aid <laughs> and that is satisfying to me. Uh, but beyond that, in more of like just a human experience, yeah, there's this just a unification of purpose and expression that's happening through all of us simultaneously, which is really powerful. We're all focusing on doing this dance together and that unification even though it's it's through the idea of movement also unites us emotionally we're on this same plane together a little bit mm -hmm. hopefully we're trying to be on that same plane together and i think that's a very special moment when we're all kind of sharing yeah. that emotional space yeah and of course it is the, the easiest example, perhaps, and, and you're a musician, so you'll probably appreciate this, uh, being at a concert, right? Like, the, we, I think we all are pretty much aware of this, even if we don't really have, you know, the vocabulary to explain it. If I tap out a beat, if I tap out a 4-4 in the presence of others, those others will very, very quickly join that beat. They'll start either moving to that beat or clapping their hands, or if they're walking, they'll start walking to that beat, right? I, I forget the name for this mechanism in the body, but we follow rhythms. And man, is there a better feeling in this world than being at a concert with a band, the lyrics and songs of whose you, you are familiar with, you know, right? Like what is better than singing along with something or jumping along with a whole bunch of people who are all facing in the same direction, all responding to the same stimulus? It's not magic. It's, 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 you know, it's not religion or sorcery, but there's definitely something unique going on inside of us um, when that happens, because it is universally one of the most positive experiences in life. People even describe the, the religious experience of, of being in a church or a synagogue or a mosque and performing the same prayer or the same hymn alongside everybody else. That is a, a, a darn near spiritual experience, right? And I think we get the same thing um, in forms of fitness that appreciate that fact, that appreciate the, the, the benefits of, of unity and correspondence as opposed to oppositionality and antagonism. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it, that's, that's totally correct. And it is very analogous with that spiritual moment that happens when we're all singing the same song together. And it's got this mystical energy to it that, you know, starts to feel like magic. Um, and that, I think that's a very special thing for people to find in fitness because 
it connects them to it in a more powerful way. It's more than just what we do to maintain our physical bodies or to build an aesthetic that we're, we've set as a goal. It encompasses this connection, which is bordering on magic, mm -hmm. that's addictive. Yeah, it is. Got a dopamine system working overtime anytime we're we're exercising, right? And it's if you're not familiar with the basic physical mechanisms that are taking place during exercise, the fact that we don't use these types of modalities directly, intentionally, and often as therapies for students who are having trouble trouble uh, focusing in class or trouble maintaining a behavioral standard in a school astounds me, because. What, what does exercise fundamentally do? Uh, connect, as you say, connects your psychology with the state of your body. It, it allows you to ask that fundamental mindful question, how am I right now? Which we very rarely do in the, in the flux of our chaotic days. And then it goes about the business of clearing your, your anxiolytic system, your, your anxiety system, right? Clearing out epinephrine, adrenaline, and cortisol so that you don't have to feel like you are in fight or flight anymore. Right? When we talk about a student who's experiencing what we call ADHD, or a student who's beginning to show signs of dissociation, what could be better for someone undergoing an, a dissociation from their body, a dissociation from the people around them, a dissociation from the standards of their culture, than to become reassociated with their body, especially in a group setting, in the midst of losing all of the chemicals inside them that are causing them anxiety? Like, it, it, it's it's like a magical pill custom made for our current situation, and yet we we seem to be slow to to rolling these things out, especially for our young people. So what what are the obstacles standing in the way of getting something like animal flow, or even something a little bit more popular for now, like yoga, or Muay Thai or jujitsu training into schools, into the lives of young people? What's going on? What's stopping them personally? from joining in these things? What's stopping us on a, a more systemic level from embracing these practices? Just a tiny question for you. Tiny one. Yeah, no pressure. It's little, I'll, I'll wrap it up real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, like you said, it's kind of systemic. Uh, people are often not keen to try it because, I mean, they've, they've set, they see themselves as not a yogi, not a dancer not a gymnast. And so they can't picture themselves doing that is that's my outside understanding of what, of how sometimes people close the door on it before giving it a chance is because those, those recreations, uh, haven't been a part of their life and they don't see themselves as a person who does this. I so mean, I, sorry to, to cut you off. I'm just thinking of the example, like turn on a television um, and go look for an animal flow <laughs> guided session. Go look for, you know, some a, a Muay Thai tournament. Right. While you're doing that, I'm going to go look for a basketball game and let, let's see who wins. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's no there's very poor cultural representation right now for, for these practices. And wrapping just for a moment back to what we were talking about with um football and sort of you can have um you made a good expo you uh, were talking about how amir is this excellent ambassador of of this lifestyle leading into jujitsu and 
the guy who's uh, wants to help other people edge closer to this doorway as well, and how the ambassador on the flip side for the football team is kind of like the guy who throws the touchdown pass. Maybe he drives a sweet car, you know. He's 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 the star of the the school, and I think because of that sort of uh, difference in reward from the ambassador of the football team and the ambassador of animal flow, people are more attracted to the football guy. Mm -hmm. And so, like we were saying, there's sort of this systemic thing where people probably haven't pictured themselves as the animal flow hero, who is a beautiful, beautiful (laughs) being. Yeah, I'm looking at him. (laughs) Thank you. So there's this, yeah, systemic, like you said, sort of blockage and people are quick to be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we are, we in, in large part become what we are surrounded by, right? And of course we are individuals and there's, there's some authentic being in there, but the vast majority of us end up taking our cues from, from what's around us and that's only natural. And it's, it's, it's a pretty easy explanation to understand that there just aren't a lot of representations out there for a young person to latch onto and imagine a life uh, into with regards to these types of, of exercises that we're talking about. I think that's changing. I think YouTube is really helping to change things. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have access to what was happening in the sporting world of Japan or Thailand, but now it's pretty easy to, to access those things. And I'm starting to see a type of person that I, I could imagine, you know, living into a role model in the jujitsu world, in the yoga world, right? These aren't just people who are outsiders, which I think in the past they would have been considered the, the weirdos, the, uh, you know, the gurus, as you said. Um, now I'm seeing a lot of uh, engineering types, if, if, if you will, like kind of, I don't want to say nerds, but like, like very analytical types. They're not the meathead jock of the Americana Hollywood uh, cultural representation. These are people who are deeply intelligent, deeply considerate, they're family people, they're working people, they're, in some cases, their uh, primary pursuit isn't even athletics, but they enjoy the camaraderie and the challenge of something which isn't ultimately about winning, but is more about, explicitly about a relationship with your own body and pushing your own physical limitations. Um, What do you say to, I'm talking about jujitsu and Muay Thai a lot, and some people who may not be intimately familiar with these sports might say, Martial arts equals fighting equals dangerous. What do you say to the parent out there or maybe to the, the teenager who's considering these, these sports, these exercise ways, and are thinking to themselves, ah, this is just, this is too unsafe, too dangerous for me? Hmm. Um, well, I'd say there's a way to enter any arena with the right amount of protective gear on. If you go into the Muay Thai gym, and you're concerned about yourself or your loved one uh, maybe getting dinged up, then be very clear with your communication about what you want to, what to what end you want to kind of follow this. You know, like when I went into the Muay Thai gym, it, it was it was pretty clear who was chasing uh, an idea of getting in the ring and who wasn't, and both were accepted. So I think it's it's important that people just kind of wholeheartedly take on the idea that I'm here to learn 
Muay Thai and I don't want to fight people. Mm. And that's totally cool. Uh, and the more they own that, the more respect people give them for that. Um, so I would say, um, yeah, yeah. Just, just own the way you're feeling. If you, if you're under the idea that martial arts is only for fighting, uh, that needs to be reexamined and wear confidently the idea that it can be explored without being violent. Mm. It could be a martial arts dance. Look at Tai Chi. Capoeira. Yes. Brilliant example. Yeah. Uh, and that, that ability and willingness to communicate and maintaining that attitude towards what you're doing and not getting lost in the frenzy and the competition requires a great deal of self-awareness, um, which I think is one of the things that is brought to you by these different exercise, um, pathways that maybe isn't brought in, in traditional sports. Um, and I, I'm, saying a lot of negative things about traditional sports. I'm aware of that. Um, I don't want to seem like I think that these things are completely toxic and have no redeeming qualities. I gained my sense of self and, and certainly my social security and, and my self-confidence from sports. I had great coaches who cared about me and worried about my safety. I had parents who were really, really attentive to to my my physical being and didn't allow me to put myself in positions where I was, I was going to be necessarily in danger. Um, and so... I hope that's enough of a caveat to say there's lots of positivity to be had in sports. And if it's a choice between letting your kids sit on a couch uh, and having them join a basketball team or a soccer team, get out on the ice, whatever, do it, right? Get movement above all. But there are options available to you now which offer a so much more dynamic realm of exploration, offer self-exploration and and real compassion and forgiveness and community um, free i think from some of the pitfalls of uh, of the athletic backgrounds that maybe you and i have both shared definitely um before we go kind of another big question for you but i'm not going to be so wordy about it you spent a couple years working with young people you've spent another couple years developing yourself as a personal trainer um what do you say to, to the young folks out there who look at someone like you and say, hey, that's a lifestyle I could, I could live into. Um, there's a lot to recommend the career and the life of a personal trainer, I think, especially now. Can you just tell us what it's, what it's been like for you, your journey to becoming a, a personal trainer and, and what advice you would give to, to a young person who's thinking of joining that side of things? Mm-hmm. Definitely do it. Uh, <laughs> gosh, that comes out right away. Do it. Um, it, it's fulfilling physically. We create a body that can carry us for a lifetime. That's very meaningful. Um, professionally, f- taking something that we're passionate about, which is good for us, and pushing it further, turning it into a profession, is um, it's going to pay big dividends because having something that you're passionate about as an underlying professional current in your life is extremely powerful. Uh, it, I mean, so many times we've all probably heard the person who'd be like, how's work? It's like, it is what it is. That person isn't working. Probably I'm just going to hazard a guess, not working in a field that they're passionate about. Uh, so for anybody who considering fitness as a profession, because they enjoy it, follow that. 
The thing I would say is, and I feel like it's I'm preaching to the choir on this one, um, and I mean the entire world because anybody who's ever tried to cultivate passion into profession, or I won't say anyone, I hope there's some really lucky people out there who it's been really easy for. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, turning passion into profession is a labor of love, and it often has a lot of, uh, it will be very difficult. In my experience, um, as a personal trainer, being the personal trainer who uh, knows how to squat and bench press and, and deadlift didn't define me. And so it was a difficult journey to, to find something, or it is a difficult journey to keep cultivating um, something about my professional fitness that makes me special. So it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but it's extremely worth it. And um, to try and... I guess if I were to just sort of make a, sh a long story short, I would say uh, something that I just read the other day, which I've been repeating to myself, because it is uplifting, is just to fall in love with the story of your life. If the story of your life is the bartender turned or professional musician turned, uh, turned fitness extraordinaire, then fall in love with that. And every day wake up when you're feeling that trouble of like kicking the same stone down the path again, sort of vibe, shake that off, fall in love with the story of every day and keep doing it. Because as I said, uh, a profession riddled with passion is going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Turning passion into profession. That, that might be the, uh, the episode title for us today. Thank you for that. Um, I'll throw a couple back your way just because they come to mind. Um, good friend of mine tries to remind me as often as possible. When you fall in love with what is, the war is over. Right? And that, that one just crushes me every time I hear it. Right? Like you're struggling with your day, you're struggling with your moment, you're struggling with your relationships, what have you. Fall in love with what is. Right? And watch as the, as the world stops being antagonistic, stops being a competition. Right, because it's a convenient metaphor. You say cooking, kicking the the same rock down the hill. We think of Sisyphus. We often metaphorize life as a journey, but there's no future. There's no past. Right? There's only right now. Those those other things are concepts. Right? What what you have is the present moment. Fall in love with it. Right? And and the war will end. The other idea, um, you know, almost three hundred years old by now, but Nietzsche's concept of amor fati. Right? The love of one's fate. And I just, for, for anyone who hasn't heard of these ideas before, I would encourage you to um, do a quick YouTube search for Ryan Holiday's take on Amor Fati. I, I see you nodding. I, I'm sure you're familiar with Mr. Holiday, but a great entry point into the philosophy of Stoicism. And uh, I, I guess to, to put a two-sentence summary on it, the, the ability to recognize um, the difference between what happens to you and your reaction to it, and then the ability to... Um, actually have some control over that reaction and not be dragged around by our emotions or by that sense that we keep doing the same thing and not making any progress or this personal training career is just too hard. And I wish people knew more about fitness so they wouldn't just keep looking up how to max out my bench press, but <laughs> we're more interested in, in developing some flow in their lives. Uh, Garris, man, I, I, I wish everybody got to sit down and talk to people like you in their lives. I've been sitting down over coffee with you for two or three years now. I don't know how much fitness has, has played a role in turning you into this kind of guy, but you just bring light into every room that you walk into. You express gratitude 
for every part of your life regularly. You speak of others with compassion. You carry your knowledge with grace, and you you share it with an extraordinary generosity, with a reciprocal um, attitude rather than transactional. And I, I, I feel so lucky to to have run into you, and it's been such a, a pleasure having you here at Braemar and being able to take someone like you who is giving my life a lot of positivity and watch as you give it to, to young people who deserve it. So thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for what you bring to this world. Can you just tell the, the people... If they're interested in what we've been talking about or they want to know more about Animal Flow or you personally, where can they find you? Um, and maybe if they wanted to join a class, where, where might they look that up? Find me uh, on Instagram, at Garson Carroll, G-A-R-S-O-N-K-A-R-R-E-L. And I work at a gym in Toronto called Flight Club. It's just a little west of Bathurst on Dundas, a really amazing gym. Um, it really is... Um, just it, it embodies a lot of the things that we've been talking about today, a safe place, a powerful place, an uplifting community. So come on down to Flight Club. Come see me there. I teach boot camp. And of course, I teach animal flow, my true passion. I love animal flow. And we lead beginner animal flow classes at 620 tonight. So if you heard this today, <laughs> you probably won't hear this today. But when you hear this, if you hear this, Come on down to Flight Club, Tuesday, 6.20 p.m., Sunday, 11.15 a.m., um, or you might see me walk on the streets of Kensington Market. I'm a Kensington local. Please say hi. I'd love to chat, grab a coffee, and uh, share a conversation. Folks, this is the kind of person, the kind of ideas that we're trying to share with our students at Braemar College every single day. The man just mentioned Kensington Market, one of the main cultural centers located right nearby us. And we try to send our students out there as, as often as possible to build that community, right? To, to get that sense of belonging wherever you are. Um, if you're interested in, in developing that, that those feelings in your own life, I uh, highly encourage you to do a little research, reach out to some people who may know about some of these more progressive fitness modalities. We're talking about yoga, martial arts, animal flow, uh, non-competitive sports that bring so much, not just physical fitness, so much uh, emotion and psychological strength to the lives of our young people and, and hopefully anyone out there listening. Thanks for tuning in. Mike Helsby with the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. Excited to keep talking about ways we can make education great for our students. Thanks for being here with us. Be sure to join us again next week for another great conversation with three Braemar students. Pedro, Mark, and Yash talk all about their journeys to physical fitness and the other transformations they've experienced along the way.